Hello and welcome to the Mission Inspire podcast, a production of the National Medal of Honor Museum Foundation. My name is Mo Barrett, a leadership speaker and retired Air Force Colonel. This month, I'm delighted to welcome Gina Townsend, daughter of Medal of Honor recipient Clifford Chester Sims, to the Mission Inspire podcast. Staff Sergeant Sims rose from humble origins in the Florida Panhandle to become a squad leader with the 101st Airborne in Vietnam. While leading his squadron through dense woods near the city of Hue, Staff Sergeant Sims unhesitatingly hurled himself on an explosive booby trap, making the ultimate sacrifice to protect his fellow soldiers. His courageous action earned him the Medal of Honor, which, thanks to the generosity of Gina and her family, will be displayed in the National Medal of Honor Museum in Arlington, Texas, when it opens its doors in early 2025. Gina, welcome to the Mission Inspire podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. So we wanted to to get to know a little bit more about you and your father. Um, your father grew up under difficult circumstances in Port St. Joe, Florida. Is that correct? Exactly. Can you talk about his childhood and then what led him to join the Army? And all of this information comes from my mom. I was so young, you know, when um, all of this happened. So it's it's have it has been a learning experience. And most of this comes from my mom. They knew each other in um, growing up in, you know, elementary, middle and high school. And he his mother was killed in an automobile accident. And so he was abandoned and um, he stayed in the town in which he was raised. And I think he lived in and out of buildings. And I think he landed in an abandoned school bus and there was a family. He would he would get things, you know, because it was farm rural area. So he would get things to eat and people would turn their backs when he would get milk or things because they knew he was alone. Yeah. And um, I think a, a teacher kind of took him under his wings and um, helped him to graduate from high school. And immediately he joined the military because that was the thing to do right. back then. And um, he and my mom were dating. They couldn't really date back in um, those days. My mom recalls having, he would write a little note and send a little kid up the street, pass a note, and she would write back and pass a note because there was no dating. But when they decided they wanted to get married, um, he was leaving to go into the military. And she had a double ring ceremony with a friend. They got married on Christmas Day. Aww. And um, he went to you know the basic training and everything that was necessary for a, sol a single soldier. And then she came up later and they were ended up at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And oh, that's, um, that's awesome. yeah, well, that's great that you can have like that. Your mom is helping you keep his legacy alive with, you know, relaying those stories. And I think that's a really important thing that sometimes we let people's legacies and their stories and their lessons kind of go when they go, as opposed to keeping them alive. And so, yeah. which is another reason we have this podcast is so we can share those stories for people who can no longer speak for themselves and, and I thought it was good when I first met Greg Waters of the National Medal of Honor Society. Um, he told me the same thing. He was interested in their stories, yep. the stories behind the people. And so, again, this has been a learning experience for me because there's things that I've had to learn and things that I've had to become familiar with or, or retold. Now that I'm older, I can understand a lot more than when it was happening when I was young. And my, we grew up in a time where the Vietnam War was not spoken of. So we put those right. things behind us and we didn't talk about it for a long time. And then when I was a senior in high school, I remember having an assignment regarding altruism 
And I looked that word up and I thought, whoa, he embodied altruism, mm -hmm. you know, giving his life for someone else. And that's when I became more familiar with the, some of the finer details because it was hush hush in right. our house. Yeah. You know, well, that's, that's actually time. a good, that's actually a really good lead into my next question. Cause you talk about altruism and um, you know, uh, again, putting, putting others before yourself. And so your dad, Staff Sergeant Sims personified the values of the medal of honor, like selflessness, courage, patriotism, leadership. We talk about this altruism. Is there a lesson that people can take away or one of the many lessons that people can take away from your dad's story? I think that um, what he did was in the spur of the moment, it was him just being who he is. You know, I don't think he thought of, well, if this happens, I'm going to do this. And mm -hmm. because it, during the war, things were happening so fast, you had to respond right. immediately. And so when the first, when they came upon the first bunker and there was a, they heard something click you know, he rerouted them. Let's not go that way. Let's go this way. And then, then the second, they came upon the second one and he just thought, you know, no time. I'm thinking he thought no time left. And, and so that's what he did, what he did to protect his men, because all along as a leader, you're trying to first, you know, accomplish the goal, accomplish mm -hmm. the mission, but then you still have to think about those behind you that are supporting you. And, um, when we found out that even after he did what he did, he lived an extra day oh. that, that we just found that out maybe 10 years ago wow. um, that he did live an extra day. And so my thoughts have always been, well, what was going through his mind and um, you know, what was going on of course with his body as well. Right. And hopefully he went peacefully and, you know, all those types of things. So it's, it's, you just do things, sometimes you do things without thinking. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure he wasn't thinking about any honors. <laughs> he wasn't, yeah. thinking, he's just thinking about accomplishing the mission. Right. And that happened to be part of his mission, protecting his soldiers. And he did what he needed to do. And mm -hmm. that's what we have to think about. What is, what is your responsibility for today? What are, what are your goals? What are your missions? And how are you going to get those accomplished? And, you know, each day we just, we just take one day at a time. We do what we can mm -hmm. in the moment. And I guess I, I like to think that's what he did. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's exactly what he did. And you talk about, too, uh, in the military, we talk a lot about mission and people. And it's a kind of a chicken and egg discussion, right? It's like, well, you have a mission and that's what the people are there. But if you don't have the people, you can't do the mission. Exactly. Um, but but the lesson that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you say, too, is it's both, right? You, I'm like, there is a mission to do. But especially as a leader, you still have people to take care of. Um, and, you know, that's what your dad's altruistic behavior and his action was taking care of both mission and the people. Um, right. You know, and I think I, we've all been in situations like that. You know, I'm a former educator and when things start happening in the school systems and we had to be a little more safeguarded, I would tell my students all the time, my mission, it, you are here for eight hours a day. You are my responsibility. So whatever we have to do to stay safe, we're going to do that. I'm going to do that with you and I'm going to make sure you're taking care of, you have to do your part too though. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we support each other. Yeah. So if you if you follow the rules, if you go along with the game plan, then we can probably work better together. But if 
I'm having to stop my mission to then make sure that you're staying in line. You know, things can get hairy. Things right. can, the, the plans can change. And so I think the students were old enough to understand that. And it, it wasn't coming from a place of malice. It wasn't coming from a, sure. a, a place where I was trying to be the authoritarian, even though if by the school, in the school system's eyes, I was. Yeah. But I just tried to make them see their part in it. We support each other. And we both wow. have missions to do. You have to graduate. I have to educate you. So let's do this together. You know, and I think that's with everybody, parents and kids and coworkers, Absolutely. you know. Yeah. Yep. It, it, insert classroom or whatever that 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 exactly. overlay is. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're a great instructor. I'm I'm glad that uh, there are students who are under your care for those eight hours, and then uh, I'm sure in their minds and in their hearts beyond those eight hours. So that's that's fantastic that you teach them that that concept of hey, we do this together, and it makes it a smoother ride for everybody. As exactly. A yeah, but exactly. that's really awesome. I'm well, I'm glad that you're an educator and you're teaching these people. <laughs> got good good kids following in your, your footsteps. Well, you know, I was a military brat and then a married military. So yeah. I, I, I tend to think, and I think my principals thought I had some military in me, and I didn't. But I just, we had to run a tight ship. My husband was off at war, and I had um, three girls at home, and it was a it was a tight ship. You know, we had to take care of each other and I had yeah. to make sure that um, they were provided for. And I, I just took that into the classroom. I love that. I love that. Well, and so many people, so many people run from adversity as opposed to it's not necessarily overcoming it. It's it's just facing it, you know, what facing I mean? it head on. Um, and, and whatever that thing looks like, whether it is a booby trap or whether it is, you know, uh, yeah. the spouse off at war and you've got the kids, you know, so yeah. that adversity can look like a lot of things, but you put your bootstraps on and you do what you have to do. And Absolutely. it looks different in different situations and for different people. And we understand that. Yep. Yep. So when, uh, speaking of parenting, so not your daughters, but we, the, your mother. So you guys, you went to travel to Washington, DC and you attended the white house ceremony from the vice president presenting the medal of honor, uh, for your father to your mother, Mary. What do you remember from that day? Uh, so I was such a child and I remember childish things. I remember, you know, they 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 did a lot with my mom and they had a babysitter for me or an okay. attendant for me. So where, there were things that I could not attend or do. And I remember, um, um, you know, being kind of ushered left and right because you had all these ceremonies and different things. And I remember it being cold, of course. And um, two things that stuck out as, not as a child, but when I got older, my mom was so young. And I remember I felt like a princess because she dressed me for the weather in DC. And so there were gloves and hats and, you know, I thought they were furs, they weren't furs, but I just felt like, oh, we were royalty. And I asked her about that. And she said, um, you know, we were going to a prestigious event and she didn't know. She came from Florida too. She didn't, you know, know pomp and circumstance, but she did what she thought we were supposed to do to fit in and to um, be appropriate for the situation. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like a little princess during that time, even though it was a, it was a sad time. Right. Um, I couldn't quite understand all of it just because they did speak above my head or you know, I couldn't understand some of the things. And there were certain things that I was not privy to. I do remember one night she went out with, they they had a big dinner for um, the family. And I was home with the babysitter. And I remember seeing, um, this is so childish, but I remember 
they they had they were drinking something out of coconuts and i thought you know probably some fancy drink after five drink but they were drinking it out of coconuts and i was just so upset because I, I wasn't there i couldn't be in attendance and and but she brought the coconuts home to me and and i had them and they were mine now and i was gonna drink my kool-aid or whatever but that was my that was the, the way i imagine that i fit in you know at least i have yeah. something from this event and then looking at the pictures um of the event just my demeanor i think i could feel the sadness i can feel my mom's sadness mm -hmm. and it was posthumous yes. so she had to recount all those initial feelings she had and go through all that and as a child you can you feel that from your parent sure and so i look at my face in the pictures i'm not smiling she's not smiling you know it's just a it was a difficult time um, for her to relive all that. And then there were some other family things going on too that I didn't understand. But yeah. um, so it was a time of sadness, but I felt like a princess. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, totally childish feelings. No, no, no. But I think it's, yeah. but it's interesting what we remember, you know, like smells and you're thinking like a coconut. I mean, that's, that's a really tangible thing to help connect you with that, you know, and yeah, it's a dichotomy of all these emotions you're supposed to feel or yeah. that you do feel, or you don't even know what you're going to feel, you know, but I mean, I, I always exactly. fascinating the things that you remember, like the smells or what you hear, but a coconut, I, I love that. I mean, I think a that's coconut. great. I remember the t um, taps and the mm. 21 gun salute. That was jarring. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, made you even more sad. It was first, it was alarming yeah. and it made you even more sad. But, um, like I said, it was that coconut that meant something to me because I, that was something I took away from the entire, Absolutely. Yep. and whatever little goodie bag that those things I don't even remember anymore, but I right. do remember the coconut. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that. I love that. And I, I'm, I'm sure you were a perfect princess and I love that, but yeah. it's, it's kind of neat that you have pictures from that too, that kind of maybe you can bring you back to that and kind of bridge that gap as well. So you can mm -hmm. kind of go yeah, back. Yeah, the pictures did a lot, sure. you know, because yeah. we we grew up in a, a time where um, the insurance man would come to your house every month or however, I don't know how often, but he saw the medals and he told my mom to put them away. Do not display those medals. People will might take them or, you know, anything could happen. And it was just oh. wasn't a good time, a good war to talk about. And mm -hmm. forever, I remember those medals being wrapped in a pillowcase and in my mom's bottom drawer forever and ever and ever. And then when I came home from college, we started talking about it a little bit more. And that's when I was able to make sense of what had happened and kind of what she went through. And mm -hmm. I started putting the pieces together and contacted some of his former um, soldiers. And um, we started talking about it. It became a part of our family. Now you have to remember she had remarried um, after that mm -hmm. and had a brother. We were in Germany, came back. And so again, it was all put away. Yeah. Um, but then she divorced. And I think that's when um, I was older and started inquiring more and did that paper in high school. And so, and, and started doing some research on my own to find out more about it. And she even even when she was she was 60 years old and she met one of his former colleagues wow. and she said, I'm ready to talk about it now. I have questions that hadn't been answered in all these years. Wow. So she was ready to talk and get information as well. So she and I were both kind of learning some things together. Like I told you, his last his last day, we didn't know about that. So 
And that was, it felt like we were kind of cut off initially. Right. And then, then a whole new world opened up when we, she was in her sixties and we met all of his Delta Raider, Delta, Delta Raider um, cohorts and friends that knew him and people that had pictures and stories and all that. Oh, good. And so the, the, that whole era, time and time period in our life opened back up again. That's really powerful when you can have, again, it's like this library that somebody's got and you finally, you finally get the, into the library and can get exactly. all the and find out. That's there awesome. were books written about him and we started traveling around and there were streets named after him. There was a, um, a hotel uh, uh, on base, um, what do you, not hotel, but we're visitor center. Okay. Mm -hmm. Visitors lodging. Mm -hmm. And then there were all these things being done in his honor and we started getting invited to them. And then we were like, whoa, this is what this really means. Um, mm -hmm. I think someone from his hometown, he was a historian and he said, um, you know, we've kept this under the rug for so many years. It's time to honor our soldiers because every state was kind of honoring their soldiers. And so, like I said, he has a, he has a um, VA home named after him, streets and all these things. And so it just opened it back up when we started traveling and then being able to speak and being able to kind of remember some of the things that had, had happened that had been put away for so many years. Right. Right. And speaking of being put away in a pillowcase on your mom's bottom drawer, your family has uh, graciously gifted that original medal of honor to the national medal of honor museum what what was the 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 thought process behind that? What led to that decision? So initially, my mom is very private, and initially, she didn't want anything to do with it. But we spoke with we had a Zoom meeting with Greg Waters, and he explained the um, the premise behind the National Medal of Honor Museum, mm -hmm. and she thought it was a good idea. Initially, we thought we'd loan it, but then. My mother, you know, as we all do, she started aging and she said, I don't, for years it sat in a pillowcase in a drawer. No one knew about it. No one knew about our family. We didn't talk about it. Now I want to share what he's done with everyone because she, she has been exposed to so many things that people were doing for him and, you know, going to this ceremony or going to this event. And she said, I want to share that with other people. So she, um, she had the Medal of Honor up in her place when we were living in Virginia. Then we moved here to Florida and she said, you know, I don't want to have to keep track of all of this. Mm -hmm. um, I think we just, just gift it. And so um, when Greg called and said that, you know, we want to want you all to come down here. And I thought, sure, my mom would be excited. She wanted to do it, but she was just not in a place to do it um, health wise right. right now. And so I said, OK, well, I'll go in your honor. And um, it didn't really strike me until I got there that this is this is something that, you know, it meant a lot to see the building. Mm -hmm. um, we walked in. I was totally surprised. Greg pulled one over my eyes because I didn't know that it was going to be that type of, and I don't know if you would call it a ceremony, but that type of gifting event. I just thought me and a bunch of other people were going to go and we we're going to hand them over. And then I get there and I see pictures of us and I just um, was, was a little bit surprised, um, a lot surprised. <laughs> and so that's how, it was- That's how Greg rolls. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that because I've only spoken to him by phone. 
And so that was a, it was a pretty um, awesome experience. There was, again, there was so much going on at the time. I had a daughter doing one thing and I had another trip planned and that happened right in the middle. My favorite football team was playing. I couldn't say no. So I had to go. And the family joined us because my mom said she didn't want to travel at mm-hmm. that time. She's looking forward to the grand opening. Yep. Um, but she didn't want to travel. And, you know, it was at a construction site and there was some movement going on. And she just she wasn't into the game and any of that. And so um, we just to share that, I thought, you know, this is this is well worth it. Mm-hmm. This is well worth it. It will be in a place where now everybody can see it. And let me tell you. We've walked in places before, like the um, the Army Museum that was built in Fort Belvoir. Mm-hmm. And Clifford Sims' picture was there in his bio. Had no idea it was there. My husband used to work at the Pentagon. He walked into the Hall of Heroes, saw my dad's picture in a bio. The National Archives, we were invited to something that they were doing. Clifford Sims and his Fantastic. bio. So, you know, it's 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 good to just be able to continue sharing. Yeah. Well, all these places, you didn't even know your dad's, you know, information and portrait were there. And the fact that you're getting to rediscover that too and and share his story that way, that's really good. When I tell you that we were stationed at Fort Bliss in Texas for four Mm -hmm. years, and there was a street on, I forgot the, the, the hospital above Fort Bliss. There's a, um, there is a, I don't know if it's a, the name of the hospital or if it was an Air Force. There was another Air Force associated with it at the time, a, a base. And Clifford Sims Street was up there those four years that we were there. I never went up there. And this guy called and said, hey, we have, we want to, it's a Black history program. We want to um, have you all come out and celebrate with us because we're honoring your father. And I thought, I lived there for four years, never knew that street name was there. Wow. Yeah, that was that was crazy. That's awesome. That's yeah. good that you got to got to see it finally. And what and you you mentioned uh, Black History, and we are having this conversation at the end of Black History Month. Yeah. And Staff Sergeant Sims, so your dad is one of just ninety four African American Medal of Honor recipients. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you for your father to be part of that very small group? Growing up, and even when I got older, I didn't know it was small. Because we, there's so many people that we know that were in the military. A lot of my uncles and family members came home. Some didn't. But, but regarding the Medal of Honor itself, I, we, I guess we didn't really understand how many people had received it until we went to the Delta Raiders reunions. Um, and all of his cohorts were there. And we would hear stories. And, and there were two... Delta Raiders that were honored with Medal of Honors um, from the time Clifford Sims was there. And so um, we learned the history of it and didn't really understand the numbers mm-hmm. until, um, you know, we started looking through, like there's a there's a couple of websites that we went on and the Delta Raiders website and, we, and, and the Army Museum, the different museums would go in. Oh, that was the other one. It was the the National Museum for African-American History, the, the oh, new yeah, one yeah. that was built in DC, yeah. walked in there. And again, my father's picture was up there and his bio was there too. And you see the people and you're thinking, oh, wow. But they're from different time periods, right? Mm-hmm. And so it really brought it home when we went to this recent, most recent 
Medal of Honor um, ceremony in 2023 in Arlington, Texas. And there was a gentleman there who had just received it. And he's, I forgot his name, but he's um, an older gentleman. And he had just received a Medal of Honor after yep. years and years and years of service. And so that's when it was really brought home that there are, you know, people, lots of people of all different nationalities that received it, but there were so many soldiers of color who had done things like this, or, you know, there's some of their stories are never told. Right. Some of their stories we don't hear about, but they fought for valor, just like, you know, the ones who did receive right. their, their recognition, they were out there and they were fighting for country and fighting for family and, you know, fighting for, because that's what their career required of them. Right. Um, it's just so many that, that there's a saying that um, all gave some, but some gave all, mm-hmm. you know, when I hear that, I think about those people that we don't know about right. who gave right. their lives for military service. And um, some of them may have never been recognized and some of them are still to be recognized. Right. Yeah. Well, so there's, there's that history that, you know, that we have inside of us that some of it we know and some of it we don't. Right, right. When I think everybody that we meet and encounter day to day has some story inside them that we don't know, we may never know, but they're, you know, we're all suffering from something. We're all celebrating something. It's just uh, to respect that and kind of give people that space. But Mm -hmm. when we talk to a lot of the, um, the living recipients, most of them will say, I mean, almost to a T, almost to a hundred percent of them will say, I don't wear this medal because of what I did that day. I wear this for all the people who are doing heroic things who exactly. cannot speak for the heroic actions that they did. And for all the people who weren't recognized for doing the same kind of heroic exactly. thing. So, and um, I met so many that night back mm-hmm. in November, people walking up to me and I'm looking at them like, wow, you are, you know, a medal of honor recipient. And they're looking at me like, wow, your father was, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, I, they're, they're, to me, they're all on the same level. They've mm-hmm. all done, you know, what they could do for service and for mankind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I, I have to ask you this too. This is a personal question for me, but um, I have never been to a, a a black tie ceremony like that in a construction site. Have you? No. <laughs> and the thing about it is I didn't realize it was black tie. Let me tell you, Greg, when we were talking all this time, we've been conversing he said, oh, it's in a construction site. And I'm thinking, wear closed toe shoes because my background is oh, science. Yeah. And I have to, you know, make sure that the safety is enforced. And so I'm wearing closed toe shoes, but I wanted the, them to be a little cute. So they had a little sparklies, a little bling on them. But I was thinking you need to be warm and you need to be safe and you don't know the environment. So dress in layers. And then I walk in and Jerry Jones is there. <laughs> and these men in these jackets with their medal of honor and i just felt i felt a little ill-prepared but i understand it was to he wanted to surprise me because i I was not thinking like that at all yeah no and and you you handled yourself i remember you up there i remember the two pictures uh, one of your father and one of your mother and i think the vice president like getting the medal um and i I was was five years old yeah, no, I remember those pictures up there. And I, I remember you handling yourself like a princess. You dressed exactly like you should for uh, such a an, an honorary, you know, an honorary. Um, that was event. nice. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was nice. That was yeah. unexpected, totally unexpected. Good. Good. But after I got to know the people in the organization, 
I can see, you know, how they do things and they did things at such a nice professional level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad that your dad's medal and your dad's legacy and your dad's story, um, will live on at the museum when we open up in uh, 2025, hopefully. And, uh, I look forward to meeting you there. We'll, we'll probably go over there and hopefully your mom can join us and uh, yes. we can all wear hard hats if we need to and close to <laughs> Hopefully we won't have to then. Exactly. We, can, we can definitely wear our, our blingy sandals instead of closed toe shoes. We'll still look cute and like princesses we'll and, I'll, and I'll bring you a coconut. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, it's so nice to meet you and talk to you. You too, Gina. And thank you so much for joining us today and again, helping us share your father's remarkable and inspirational story so that it can live on and we can all take away lessons from it and realize that we're all out there doing heroic things uh, for each other and moving the mission and taking care of the people at the same time. So thank exactly. you. Exactly. Hua hua. To learn more about the National Medal of Honor Museum, just type in mohmuseum.org to get the latest updates and find out how you can help its mission to inspire America. That's it for us today. Please join us next time on the Mission Inspire podcast.